listening to the Post-Atomic Horror Podcast with Ron Algar-Watt and Matt Robotham. Episode 87 covering Captain's Holiday and Tin Man with Brian Lynch. Hello friends! We are back and our guest this week is Brian who is actually here for, well... One good episode and one... Episode. But that's sort of the way season three's been going. So. Hello, yeah. friends. I, too, am back. Are you? I Hi, am. Hi, Brian. From outer space? I'm back. I'm front. I'm sideways. All right. Well, can you use that sideways magic to tell us about the episode called Captain's Holiday? I can use that sideways magic in any way. This is about to get weird. <laughs> right, get about to yes. says, I'm back, I'm front, I'm sideways is exactly what Riker said when he got back from Risa, the planet we're about to learn about <laughs> There you go ah. Now you're segwaying my way Now, <laughs> now you're, you're segwaying like a champ Now you're cooking with segways <laughs> Okay uh, Tell us about Captain's Holiday Captain's Vacation Yes <clears throat> That's not very National funny. Lampoon's Captain's Vacation <laughs> We open on Risa, where two pieces of poo are looking for Captain Picard. When the Tandy 400 tells them he's not there, they leave. What a necessary scene. <laughs> we then go to the bridge, where everyone talks about a recent trade negotiation, because the only thing more exciting than trade negotiations is people talking about them, am I right? And the only thing more exciting than that is someone not being at a hotel. <laughs> So Picard isn't demonstrating his usual sunny disposition, and the crew decides he needs a vacation. Picard will have none of it, though, because he has important things he needs to look at. Beverly points out that the ship's going in for repairs, and Picard says, exactly, and how's that going to go if he's not looking at it? Riker recommends Risa, but Picard knows what kind of places Riker recommends. Picard tells everyone that he has no interest in Risa, and this is really becoming more and more like like one of those things, like, you know, on F Troop, when Agarn's like, I'm not wearing a dress, no, no way am I wearing a dress, and Forrest Tucker's like, oh, you're gonna wear that dress, and Agarn's like, no way, no how, and then they wipe, and Agarn's wearing a dress. Yoo-hoo! Look up, brothers! Look who's here for you! Oh, I love that bit. <laughs> So, and I'm trust, sure F Troop is a great show, though. There's, there's, yeah, there's, there's a, an area of your fans that are going to laugh very hard at that. All right, then. Possibly well, just me we, and my younger we, we brother. We encourage them to write in. <laughs> so anyway, afterwards, uh, Riker asks him to get a whore gun, which is sadly not a gun that shoots at whores, and Picard <laughs> beams down to the surface where he is immediately smooched by the cheat's hot mom. This is the same way Riker was greeted, but rather than taking his lead and bursting into a chorus of, I think I'm going to like it here, Picard just grumbles. <laughs> Boner detector, negative. (laughs) Soon, Picard is trying to relax by the pool, but is perpetually confounded by people trying to have sex with him. He's not having any of it, but check your lease, man. You're living in a city. He's soon hassled by a Frankie, who thankfully doesn't want to have sex with him, I think, although he does get really intense when he says, you will talk business. (laughs) And he is then bothered by Vash, his welcoming committee from earlier. Vash and the Frangi are engaged in some shenanigans, but Picard came to Risa specifically to get away from shenanigans and trade negotiations, so he goes to his room. There he meets the poop aliens from earlier, who tell him that they are from the future, and it is foretold that he will engage in shenanigans, specifically to help Vash locate an art- I'm sorry, to help Vash locate an artifact <laughs> from the future before the Frangi, who paid her to steal it, gets his hands on it. Both of them are planning to sell it. But Vash is going to sell it to the Daystrom Institute, so that makes her the good guy, comparatively speaking. 
Resigned to his role as the universe's Larry Storch and aroused by the possibility of sexy archaeology, Picard goes with Vash. They ditch the Ferengi, they locate the device, they get frisky on a dirty, dirty cave floor. There's some double crosses, there's some triple crosses, there's some hot cross buns. There's generally too much uh, plot for a summary that's already running long. Vash and Picard betray the Ferengi, Vash betrays Picard, Picard betrays the poop aliens, and everything works out best for everyone. Just like the poop aliens knew it would, because they're from the future, you see. And so it's back to the ship for Picard, back to the future for the hankies, and Vash is free to get up to all the her miscellaneous shenanigans. Oh, the cheat's hot mom, always in and out of prison. <laughs> Very nice. Ah. Yeah. Why don't we just roll into your good thing, bad thing? How about that? Okay. Uh, well, my good thing um, was that uh, I really like the idea of the captain going on vacation um, and, well, I'm sorry, going on holiday. Yes, how um, British are you now? He's, holiday. Yes, well, he's, take, he's taking a vacation, but he's going on mm-hmm. holiday. Right, exactly. And um, I, no, I like that he goes there and there's there's still, as I said, shenanigans and um, the archaeology comes into it and he, he gets intrigued by stuff and... Um, you know, there's good stuff in there. It's very sort of Indiana Jones, you know. This is what would happen if he tried to go on vacation. Um, yeah, it's it's a really fun sort of solo Picard adventure. Exactly. Yeah. But what I really don't like is that they felt the need to add the subplot about the, the poop aliens, um, who really did look like pieces <laughs> the of... The Vorgons, yes. The Vorgons, yes, and their poetry. I like Brian's name better. <laughs> All right. The poop aliens. Well, if, we had the, um, if we had the Chris aliens, we might as well have the poop aliens. Why not? Yeah. <laughs> wearing From the, the poop planet. Wearing their roofing shingle coats. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> because that's what people will wear in the future. Uh, but in the, the 27th uh, century. In the 27th century. But they don't well, do it. In the 27th it. century, everyone comes down with a bad case of shingles. Right. <laughs> so they just run with it and turn it into a fashion choice. Yeah, exactly. But they don't that's do anything. That's how the future works. They have no, they no purpose to the plot. They... They're very much like that that omnipresent alien in that Venture Brothers episode. I am here because something important is going to happen. Ignore me. (laughs) That's that's literally they literally do that at one point when uh, when the the Frankie's got them cornered in the cave and is making them dig for the Tox Utat, uh, which I believe is from the MacGuffin era of the future. (laughs) Yeah, of course. Um, What does it do? Do they even say? Is it a weapon? It's a weapon, right? It's a weapon. It can halt all nuclear fusion in a sun, which is actually the same thing that uh, Soren was after in uh, Generations. Mm-hmm. Not the Taksutat, but like, I think it was Trilithium, but same same result. It was. Yes, but I was. find Malcolm McDowell much more endearing. Yes, than the poop aliens, I agree. <laughs> yes. That's because I Malcolm McDowell goes and tries to find stuff. He doesn't just you know, stand, stand there while they're digging and like, yes, yeah. we're just going to stand here as it was foretold we would. <laughs> as, as our history indicates. Yeah. Apparently, uh-huh. they wanted originally to do a much more elaborate time travel thing, and they thought that was confusing and took away from the plot. But they left this part of it in, and I think they should have just taken it completely out or, or done more with it. You're right. Yeah, the ep- episode really kind of suffers from it. Like, it's li- like the idea of Picard being on an archaeology adventure is a good enough plot. Yeah, they could have just been aliens from the planet that the thing came from. They didn't. The yeah. time yeah, there you thing go. had nothing to do with it. And I thought the first time I watched this, the entire time uh, I was watching, I assumed that they would be uh, other con artists because they never reveal oh, sure. themselves to. No, to and that's Sol- that's the next beat of this kind of story every time. So that Sovak Sovik. The Frankie with the Vulcan name. They never right. reveal themselves Spock. to him or Vash, and I assumed as soon as they saw them, they'd be like, it's you guys who we yep. already tried to trick, or something like that. 
Um, yeah, that's just that's how these stories go. Like always, mm, we've all yeah. seen a million of these sort of pulpy adventure stories, and and that's the final reveal is that those guys were tricking you all along. And then at yep. the very end, like the the one's got his gun out, and then Picard like fakes destroying the thing. Yeah. And they're like, you must give it to us right now. And then it explodes. And they put their guns away and they're like, yes, just as our history indicated, you would yeah, destroy we meant to it. Do that. So you have. Yeah. You right. did not. You had no idea that was going nope. to happen. See, if you're from the future and you're doing that, like, my move would always be to say, yes, I completely expected you to do that because that's what our history says. <laughs> yeah, it you, makes you look really smart. You mentioned that if you had time travel at your disposal, you would absolutely do that to people just to fuck with them. <laughs> yeah, constantly. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> I was I was hoping they would lay some of the smug on Picard like he does when he meets people from the 20th century. Uh-huh. Oh yeah, your primitive uh, uh, Risa planet where you have primitive sex. We've evolved beyond the need for sex in our century. <laughs> We've evolved beyond the need for hot pants. <laughs> we have. Expo- they've evolved beyond the need for hot anything. <laughs> yes. We don't have Vash on our planet, Rumble. <laughs> We've evolved beyond the need for good communicators that don't require you to punch yourself in the head. <laughs> in the exposed golden brain. Yes. Yes. Well, and the future can't... the future is so safe that they can leave their brain exposed. It's like leaving your doors unlocked. Like, no one will touch it because everyone's, you know, peaceful and trustworthy. Maybe that's See, why Picard times, just believes them without... If you left your gold without... brain out of Ferengi, would steal it. <laughs> that's true. Maybe that's why Picard just believes them Spock without style. investigating at all anything that... they say. <laughs> that could be. All he's right, so, so good... smart, he's so canny, and yet, we're from the future and we need you to find this thing for us. Yeah, that sounds legit. <laughs> no, there are so many twists where typically a, a more dim-witted uh, protagonist would totally fall for things. And Picard's usually like two moves ahead of everyone, which is yeah. one of the reasons that makes this different than the usual sort of pulpy story, which I like. Oh, yeah. He's always like, I know what you're trying to do. Even at the yeah, beginning, I'm just trying lying. to get him to go on vacation. Yep. Beverly tries the old, uh, I've got a crewman who's experiencing uh, signs of stress. And he's like, yeah, it's me. Can we stop this? <laughs> I'm yeah, pretty sure... Listen, I saw that classic Trek episode too. Yeah, I'm okay? positive Bones pulled that on Kirk at some point, and Kirk <laughs> fell for it because he's not quite as smart, <laughs> crafty, but not you know bright. Yeah, yeah. Well, he at least has to check the future people's driver's, driver's licenses. Yeah, they've evolved beyond the need for driver's licenses, <laughs> but not cars apparently. No, nope. still cars, but no licenses. You can just drive wherever you want. Man, what a great universe. <laughs> So uh, my good thing was, I do love this episode. It's corny and pulpish and and sort of campy almost and Mm -hmm. really not the kind of thing you'd think I would like. But because it's so different, it's such a departure. And because, you know, Patrick Stewart's great and, uh, well, let's admit it, kind of hot. um, It's just a lot of, I mean, he's he's lounging around in almost nothing for the entire episode. He's got his short pants. You can see his whole area. Yeah, his whole buffalo shot is just right there. Yeah. And uh, between that, I mean, he's, you know, his chest and his muscly arms, he's a good-looking guy. I'm not, he's, I'm not he's afraid of him. He's got these really muscly shoulders when they're showing him digging. Yeah, when digging. he's digging. Yeah. He's got like, oh, wow, wow, look at that. And I guess you wouldn't see that in the Starfleet uniform. And uh, I think Patrick Stewart had asked, I think this is, read this in Memory Alpha, had asked for an episode where he gets to kiss and shoot things or kiss yes. and punch. I don't remember what the two verbs were, but they were very dynamic, and he wanted to do that. I, I wanted an episode where I can carry uh, things and dig. Right. <laughs> I love the idea of Patrick Stewart going up to the producer like, look. Yeah, I would I love to hear fantastic. that conversation. All right. Do, give me an episode where I can do all the Kirk shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the goddamn captain, for the love of God. I want that to be an I'm episode. Captain Jean-Luc Picard of the USS Enterprise, <laughs> damn it. Yes, we've all heard the song. An episode where I Why go to a planet and him. there's a woman and and all of her clothes come off. But but I've, I've, I've seen everything. <laughs> you can see everything. 
<laughs> that would be great. And, and Still my favorite version of Patrick Stewart. <laughs> my bad thing is, well, the fashions. The way people are dressed on Risa, it's, uh. better, than the, it's better than the Justice Planet. It's like, mm. I actually buy this as a sexy resort, but the way they're dressed is not good. No. Uh, Amanda pointed this out to me a while ago, and I can't not see it now, which is the civilian clothing on Star Trek. Like, the uniforms, they obviously put a lot of work into designing. They get people, you know, years ahead of time to make sure the uniforms look good. And even those evolve over time. Mm-hmm. But the mm-hmm. civilian clothes almost always look awful, and this is definitely no exception. Well, I mean, yeah. that's always been a problem with uh, with Star Trek. Yeah, and all incarnations, like on Deep Space Nine, uh, Cisco would get in those goofy sort of African-y like, like what people were wearing in the early 90s after they saw Malcolm X. Like, There's a lot yeah. of that hat. A lot of vests yeah. on Deep Space Nine, I know. A lot, a lot of, of vests. vests. Or like Jake was a big vest fan. Oh, yeah. That. Jake was Jake a vest had, like, enthusiast. Jake had, like, overall vests. Like, overalls that turned he was into a, a vest. That dude was a vest high. fiend. I think he was a fan of, um, who's it, Naughty by Nature. <laughs> <laughs> that whole sort of southern R&B rap vibe in the 90s where, like, everyone wore the overalls and stuff. That, that must be mm. the whole thing. I don't know. No, it's it's just it's that. Right now, I just can't stop picturing uh, Jake and uh, uh, Nog standing outside of a farmhouse, one of them holding a pitchfork. <laughs> uh, gamma, what is it? Gamma Quadrant Gothic. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Matt. What about you? Oh God. Um, no, I love the, that's yours. Hmm? I like the exact same thing you did. No, <laughs> uh, I love everything about the crew trying to get Picard to go on vacation. Yeah, it was, a, it was a little goofy, but they had to give the crew something to do before Picard went off on his own, and there was a lot of fun I j- there. I just Normally, I wouldn't like stuff like that, but it was just adorable. No, there was a lot of good acting there and, and yeah. comedy scenes. And, and like we said, there's the one with Beverly, which was a little predictable, but they, they had Picard two moves ahead of her, so it wasn't. Yeah, like, look, the, I we all know where this is going. Hurry it along. And then he goes into the. And uh, I love, I love. Uh, oh, yeah, I was going to say. Was there anyone on the ship who doesn't know I'm going on vacation? <laughs> I think there's two ensigns upstairs on deck thirty-eight. Yeah, we know which know. ensign is one of yeah. those anyway. Oh, Captain Picard's going on a vacation. Mm-hmm. Now, what's going to happen is in four weeks, he's going to be talking to somebody down in engineering. He's going to be like, "I think the captain should go on a vacation." <laughs> The captain's been, been taken by the Borg. Yeah, we got more important things to Not the about time the... to talk about that. <laughs> God. Sorry. Where have you been? I've been locked in a Jeffrey's tube for a month. <laughs> I had to survive on tribbles. Oh, God. I... By the way, the walls are full of tribbles. <laughs> Self-perpetuating food source, I went. I went inside and I ate too much honey half. and they had to wait for me to get in again. <laughs> <laughs> I spell honey H-U-N-N-Y, by the way. I was off seeing Ensign Rabbit. I'm just kidding. He's Eeyore. Um, of course he is. Uh, Matt, what about your bad thing? Uh, Sovak is like the sort of traditional mincing uh, Ferengi, which I am just completely sick of now. See, I think part of that has to do with like his role in this typical sort of pulpy adventure story, where he's the, mm-hmm. the foreigner who's, you know... Like a, no, I will shoot you. <laughs> like I, yeah. he kind well, of except fit he doesn't role. sound like that because that's what Ferengi are supposed to sound like. And he's, he's well, got, okay. he, he didn't call them human. He called them human. He sounds sort weird. of like Chinese. He's like, oh, this is what we're going to do now, Picard. Yeah. Most honorable Picard. And, and, he was, and, and he was squinting. <laughs> I'm I'm sure. I, I'm not trying to apologize for that kind of thing. I don't think it's right, but I do think if they're drawing on those sort of 30s adventure serials, that mm-hmm. might have been sort of deliberate. He was like their yellow peril villain. Yeah, exactly. Well, okay. also, I've been watching Disney movies from the 1960s, so I'm seeing a lot of right. racism against Asians right now. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> <Yes>. Exactly. <laughs> um, 
But this is the guy who would go on to play Rom, and he would yeah. unfortunately do that in the bit of the, the dopey voice. Hey, hey, brother, yeah. how's it going? He he never yeah, really never does it a, a proper uh, Frankie accent, does he? Not really, no. no. But I mean, he's got the voice and the build for it, so it's okay. Yeah. And he's actually not a bad actor. Like we see Rom no. do some pretty cool stuff in that. Scene. And uh, and he's got mm. the teeth. He had the exact same Rom oh, yeah. teeth in this episode. Maybe those are just his teeth. Maybe he looks like Clint Howard. There's the one on the oh, bottom that, that like, sticks that out all crazy. Uh, horizontal tooth. Yeah. yeah. Maybe that's his actual teeth. Maybe that's why they keep using him. Clint Howard did play a, uh, a Ferengi a once. Ferengi, I, yeah. I wonder if they gave him fake teeth. <laughs> I don't think they gave him fake anything. Nope. Well, even the Tranya was real. Yep. Uh, what else? I hope you relish it as much as I do. <laughs> there was um, one of the, the uh, DTI, the Department of Temporal Investigation, the Time Cop books, mm. felt the need to go back and correct the time travel in this. And, and as you guys said, it's so so much not a part of the story that I really didn't see the point of that. Yeah, it's like, I don't really understand what, I, like, I can usually figure out why you want to sort of tie all the time travel, because, you know, th- time travel can get messy. I think this guy went through the Star Trek encyclopedia or Memory Alpha or whatever, and just earmarked every episode that had time travel in it, and he did... Just turned to the time travel page. Yes, and did a segment on each thing, and some of it made sense, and some of it was like, this didn't need fixing, it's fine. It, was there a was... book with Mark Twain in it? Oh, God... I'm traveling. If there is, I would throw it into the sea of fire. <laughs> the Do you know where there's a sea of fire? Yes, I throw everything with Mark Twain in it in that in that sea. That seems harsh. I mock Twain. Oh well, that that uh, really Time Zero Part Two. Oh God. Oh. Uh, <laughs> I just think that it was just it wasn't that the time travel was bad. It was that it was unnecessary. Well, yeah, that's and what yeah. I'm saying. Back it was so incidental it, to the story. Going back and fixing it even more unnecessary. It it, it had no effect. Yeah, exactly. We could have just had a good Magnum P.I. episode, and instead they had to spoil it with time travel. (laughs) Yep. You know what they should do? Is there any explanation as to why the the weapon shows up in the past? I can't remember now. No, like like somebody sent it back in the past so nobody could use it in the future. That's right. Give it to us here in the future. So that would have been another good one if they were terrorists from the future who were trying to get it. So that they could uh, use it against the people that it was that designed it or something. So that they could blow up the future. Yes. Dang wasn't it. that wasn't that a huge thing on Enterprise though? Like terrorists yeah, in the future. That wasn't stupid yet. Listen, uh, okay. just somebody travel back in time to 1989 and get Chip Chalmers, boy director, to give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> Chip Chalmers here, boy director. I'm that part of the director's boy me, Chip Chalmers. He's got that little newsboy cap. <laughs> Patrick Stewart, uh, here's, there, Patrick Stewart, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and I want you to act, and be sexy. Why is this Now, can you splay for me? Because I really need you to splay. 23 skidoo. <laughs> I need you to go, then come back. <laughs> That's how Chip Chalmers Get me pictures of Spider-Man. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Any further business? Um, There's splaying. I know we just there's, talked about there's it. There's definitely splaying. That will be our cover art. We should talk about it as much as he did it. No, I think we'll be here for quite a while then, because I'm sure there were I, there must be sort of outtakes. Like, uh, I imagine the season three bonus disc was probably just hours of outtakes of him splaying. There's yep. a, he was Can like, I please close my legs yet? Nope. No, no, just no, wait till we see was, this in HD. It was either that, or he would cross his legs and expose like most of his buttock. Yep. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm okay with that. Like, I'm, I'm yeah. comfortable enough to say. He's an attractive man, and that's okay. Vosh, you know, if you've got Patrick Stewart fever, this is definitely the episode for you. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true. Vosh, not, uh, not, not, you know, nothing to sneeze I at mean, either, though. 
Yeah, no, she's fine. She I, would, in, I, would, uh, I would not uh, sneeze at her point. unless she was into that sort of thing, in which case... Yeah, no. Mm-hmm. If she's into sneezy showers, I would totally do that. Piss sneeze play. Yeah, sneezy, there you go. Sneezy showers. The personal director's <laughs> assistant of Chip Chalmers. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Now, come on, sneezy, let's go. Whatever you say, Chip. <laughs> hey, buddy. Hey, guy. Oh, is I'm he, not your guy, friend. Is he, is he Canadian, Chip Chalmers? <laughs> I think he might be now. This was, I think, this was pre-shooting everything in Vancouver, so he'd have to get a, he'd have to get a passport that said Chip Chalmers on it. And, yep. uh... Chip Chalmers doesn't need a visa. Just so everybody knows, we're not making this guy up. The episode was directed by somebody named Chip Chalmers. Yeah, he, he apparently such a great name. Apparently, became a regular director on the show after this, and this was his mm-hmm. first one. And uh, I was reading a memory alpha that he, this is his favorite episode, just because it was his first one. And I just, I, all of that completely went over my head because I just was still giggling that his name was Chip Chalmers. Chip Chalmers. Chip every Chalmers. every director's first one is their favorite one. That's why on the um, the DVD set where they had the it was the captains episode DVDs, and each mm-hmm. captain got a disc, and they did right. two episodes chosen by fans that focused on the captain, and then the actor would choose one. That was their favorite episode. And so, the one that, oh yeah, I remember those. Patrick the one Stewart that, liked a fistful of data's because no, 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 it was that. um, it was the data gets a girlfriend episode. Oh, actually, that's a good one. Which was the yeah, that is a good yeah, one. but it doesn't have much Picard in it at all. But it's the first one Patrick Stewart directed. Right, and and usually by design, the, their characters aren't in them a lot, so they can concentrate on the directing. I actually thought right. Riker might have directed this one. That is to say, I thought Jonathan Frakes might have directed this. One. Right, yeah, because he was hardly in it. Actually, I thought well, Riker, Riker, Riker might have directed this one. <laughs> well, it is on Risa, so that that makes total <laughs> sense. <laughs> the, that was the first decision. Just, oh, it was it, okay. I'm doing an episode. Okay, well, first of all, it has to be on rice. Yes, for, obviously. Uh, my vision. I mean, we all know we all know that, right? I mean, this is just a foregone conclusion. <laughs> I think I much prefer Riker's visionary vision to Gene's. <laughs> Gene. Gene. All right, Brian, you got a quote Got me for us? again. I do have a quote. I, I really wanted to go with um, Picard's very understated reaction to being "Welcome back to the ship," where he literally just goes like. <laughs> Yeah, uh, congratulations. For what? The, the, the trade negotiations. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but instead, yeah. I'm going to go with this, which is um, him reacting to Riker telling him to go to Risa, which is literally like, oh, I know what you do on your vacations. So here it is. So have you decided where you're going yet? Yes, I have, number one. Bridge. No, I meant on your short leave. Not you, too. Halt. I know this perfect little vacation spot. In fact, it falls within the coordinates of this sector. How convenient. Except, number one, I have absolutely no intention of taking a holiday. Is that clear? Very clear. Good. Glad we got that straightened out. Resume. The place is called Risa, and believe me, Captain, it is a paradise. Warm tropical breezes, exotic foods, nothing to do but sit around all day, enjoy the quiet, and then the, the women. women. Of course. Yeah, that, that one made me laugh both times through. Like, I, I really enjoyed that. Yeah, I don't think there's anyone on the ship who doesn't know what Riker gets up to on his vacations. Yes, the women. I know. And All I also, right. and I love that. Um, uh, uh, just before that part, uh, which actually, I guess you could cut that into if you want. Which is, um, um, have you, they get on the turbo lift and Riker goes, "Have you decided where you're going?" And Picard goes, "Yes, bridge." <laughs> <laughs> well spotted, number one. There, our vacation is on the bridge. We're on a turbo lift. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Captain, I'm Captain Picard. Picard. Yeah, it is. <laughs> have you been replaced by a duplicate again? <laughs> Maybe. Maybe I'm Captain okay. Picard. I don't know okay. who you are. Can you sing I may start acting and strangely and not knowing who people are. But uh, Troy could sense it if it's not me, right? So uh, I sure can. All right, and speaking of Troy sensing things, yeah, let's let's move on now to Tin Man, because the law of season three says, well, we we enjoyed ourselves, so now it's time to suffer a little, or at least be bored. 
So the Enterprise hmm. rendezvouses with the USS Hood, allowing for Matt to make his delightful Hood D reference again, and prepares to receive secret orders and a secret passenger, and which secret is always a good eating. sign. <laughs> secret stack it to the heavens. Ugh. The captain of the Hood insists that his mission requires the best ship and the best crew, which is clearly not his, and he's obviously kind of hurt by this. <laughs> But no time for that. One of those interchangeable bitchy ambassador types beams aboard, and we're off on our secret adventure. His name is Tam Elbrun, whose name is an anagram for Amble Runt. <laughs> he has a connection to Troy, but for once, that connection isn't that she immediately falls in love with him. No, he used to be a patient of hers. He's crazy, you see. So crazy that he allowed 30-some-odd Starfleet dudes to get killed in a previous assignment. So he's the perfect guy for this job! The job in question involves first contact with a space-born alien who's been dubbed Tid Man by the Federation Bureau of Clumsy Foreshadowing. Along the way, Marble Nut, it's a recurring thing, roll with me here, is a dick to everyone except Data. Express, everyone expresses their doubts at his ability to do the job, and oh yeah, some Romulans show up. They, which is to say the Enterprise and the Romulans, arrive at Tin Man, who looks like a lantern made out of a pine cone, <laughs> and fights over who gets dibs. We called it, say the Romulans, <laughs> citing the ancient interstellar legal precedent of finders versus keepers. The Enterprise can't counters with he who smelt it dealt it clause, which confuses the Romulans and forces them to continue advancing on Tin Man, who it occurs to me is a space more space seed than anything we saw in that episode with Khan. So uh, Urban Melt, which is another anagram, sends a warning to Tin Man using his actual functioning Betazoid powers of telepathy what? and promptly destroys the Warbird. Then another one shows up, but this one's not commanded by Tomalock, so I'm finding it really difficult to care. Data and Mantle Rub manage to beam over to Tin Man, and anyone who's seen Star Trek The Motion Picture knows how it goes. Lumbar Net has been longing for something, and so has Tin Man. So now they're happy together. You see, now Tin Man has a heart. Get it? Do you get it? Oh. Do you? It's possible that Lamb Tuner dies in the ensuing supernova. <laughs> Though it's implied that he didn't. I'm going to choose to believe that he did, though. You can't stop me. Oh, and uh, the human adventure is just beginning or some crap like that. <laughs> I can't wait till the human adventure ends and we can get on with the Vulcan adventure. I bet it's way more fun. Yeah. Please please keep your hands inside the car for Vulcan adventure. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my good thing is, well, this is a good concept. Uh, one, I like the idea of a telepath that's so sensitive that he can't be around people. And two, I like the idea of a... Of a biological thing in space it's not original idea but uh it is a neat idea. it looks cool and it acts cool i just i like it and it's and, it's at and, that sun because it's trying to kill itself which i think is neat and you like mm. anagrams uh you like That's yelling true. them out in fact i would say you like to name a blurt ah very yeah, nice did yeah. you did you just did you just plug that into an anagram no no I've, I've, you... I've been doodling on it the whole time you were talking oh, I was nice. doodling on the piece of paper. It's, it's really easy letters to work with so yeah it is <laughs> No, it's one of those names that just, like, Tam Elbrun, huh? That's just a random selection of letters. <laughs> uh, so, my bad thing, well, it's poorly executed. The actor is not suited to this role. Uh, Brian pointed no. out to us that, that this was the mayor in Buffy, and we both loved him in that role. It was one of the best guest star roles in that series. Yeah, the mayor is my absolute favorite villain, like, main villain in all in all of Buffy. He's really close for me, but I would say, acting-wise, he's just one of the best characters on that show. Oh, like, completely. You know, supplemental characters on that show. But here, he's just not used right, or maybe it's the writing, I don't know, but it just doesn't really work. He's just kind of bitchy and mean, and he does this thing where he predicts what people are going to say and finishes their... Sandwiches. I wasn't going to say sandwiches. Sandwiches. <laughs> okay, that time I was going to say sandwiches. <laughs> But no, it's, the directing is clumsy. There's a lot of weird angles and, and zooms and such. And, and 
there's just weird melodramatic act breaks. Like, we've arrived, dun-dun-dun, at Tin Man. Dun-dun-dun. And then cut to commercial. And it, My brother. Yeah, it, it's a bit like that. It just... Arr. A bit heavy-handed, <laughs> and uh, and I think they could have done better with the idea. Also, very much like Star Trek The Motion Picture at the end. Mm. So even, even to the point where Brian pointed out that the... Uh, the, the sort of wave of mutilation that comes out of the space seed um, destroys the Romulan ship and looks exactly like the V'ger emerging consciousness thing. If it's not just the same um, effect reused, then they were very obviously copying themselves. Yeah, they might have just read in a book, like, oh, that's how they did this. Let's just do that again. Uh, what about you, Brian? Uh, well, my good thing uh, is the, uh, the the scene at the beginning where the hood arrives. Mm-hmm. Um, because um, everybody has a crush on the Captain of the Hood. I, it was the Captain DeSoto. Oh my DeSoto. god, they so do. Captain DeSoto. Because they show up yes. and they're like, oh, it's the Hood. And then everybody oh gets boy. these like, little like pleased looks on their face. And they're like, everyone's like fixing their hair. and like, mm-hmm. Sir, we're receiving a hail from Captain DeSoto. And everybody's oh just boy. like beaming. And then he shows up and he like, says like, oh, hi, Riker. And Riker's like, he knows my name. <laughs> <laughs> he remembered. Now what was I mean that was that was cute but what was the real reason have they all served with him or do they just know he's Picard's friend I mean what I was the deal with that I guess they just they just they know him I suppose everybody loves Dr. DeSoto Of course who doesn't enjoy Mr. Moto obviously um, <laughs> And the, yeah it's it's so strange uh mm-hmm. but they, but they're just so entranced by him Right um what and about then uh, my bad thing is I'm actually just going to go with also the um, the acting, not only from uh, uh, from uh, uh, the mayor, but uh-huh. I can't, what's his mayor. actual name? Tam, Tam Elburn. Mayor! And not only right. from Goldie Wilson, but... Um, uh, but also from Red Thomas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Progress is his middle That's name. That's true. Red but, Progress Thompson. Uh, but also from from Troy, it's a really shaky episode for her, and it asks a yeah. lot from her. And all it does is highlight just how not good Troy is at her job. And yeah, which yeah. is too bad because she really could have had yeah. a, a moment here because this calls on her to be an actual psychiatrist and not just a you know a guidance counselor. Like she she dealt with this crazy guy, and she's got to deal with him again. And it could have been a really tense thing but she doesn't pull it off at all and i don't know no. if it's just like him being inexperienced and it's dragging down the scene or if it's her mm. if it's the writing which i think is also part of it or uh, yeah it's her, not written super her well. accent has been even more all over the place than usual in both of these episodes um she's a like lot trying... of people point that out and i just i like her accent i don't know she's, it's, she's it's trying to go off which i like well i think it's like we were talking about with ferengi accents and in the pre-show we mentioned like klingon mm-hmm. and vulcan accents um i think there's like she was going for a betazoid accent but she's the only one who ever does. So there's no yeah, consistency that, to it. Yeah, that's true. This guy's Betazoid. Full Betazoid. And, uh, and uh, yeah. I, maybe her dad just had a weird accent. I don't know. Maybe her dad was Greek or something. That could or, be. Yes. Or Slavic or whatever she's trying to do. <laughs> By the time <laughs> the movie Hey, uh, Diana, I'm from the planet Earth. <laughs> I'm your father. Borat. By the, time, uh, <laughs> by the time the movies come around, she's basically American. <laughs> And, yeah, uh, pretty much. Yeah, but with, then like, they also a... streak her hair and put her in normal clothes. and Yeah. Everything about her that was slightly exotic just goes away by the movies. Mm. Yeah, that's kind of right. sad. She's lost her cultural heritage. She's lost touch with her people, man. <laughs> Not her people. She's an Uncle Rom. All right, Matt, what do you <laughs> got? Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, see how it feels? 
It feels <laughs> wonderful. I'm almost kind of proud of you. Terrible, huh? Do it more. All right, Matt, what about you? All right, I love the look of Tin Man. Uh, very reminiscent of the Doomsday Machine. Yeah, a bit of that. Which I love. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also was a big fan of Jordy's friends Russell and his friend Russell. <laughs> there's a, there's a whole sequence in engineering where Jordy's trying to get things working, and a lot of a lot of yelling at the ceiling action from Levar Burton, which Lots you know he's that. he's great at. Mm-hmm. But also, all of his engineering guys, nobody has any lines. Like there's guys scurrying around. It looks like people are working hard in engineering, but nobody talks. And yeah, you're right, Matt. He, he looks at two different guys and addresses them as Russell. Yeah, it's, it's like that MST with all the Kens. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's just that LeVar Burton didn't realize that he said the same name twice and decided to address the two different extras. Yeah, like it said in the script that he, he says Russell twice and he didn't realize that, yeah, he's supposed to be talking to the same guy. <laughs> those, are the br- those, are the, those are the brothers Russell. Yeah, <laughs> they work in engineering. Or <laughs> as Br- Brian suggested, that it could be like Russell Johnson and then like Tim Russell. <laughs> so the- and I'm Russell with a P as in psychiatry. <laughs> <laughs> I prefer to think of them as, as Orville Russell and Reckenbacher Russell. There you go. Or like, uh, you know, this is Daryl, my brother Russell, and my other brother Russell, <laughs> who I slept with. Russell Russell and Louisa Russell. <laughs> right. I'm going to call you Russell A. <laughs> All right. And what about I also like, uh, just oh, real sorry. quick, when they were talking about the, the yelling up at the ceiling, there's a mm-hmm. scene on the where it's engineering and Jordy's yelling at the ceiling, and then they come mm-hmm. to the bridge and Riker's yelling at the ceiling. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. do they have like microphones up there? Is that where the communicators really are? <laughs> or I'd like them to be yelling at the floor and then Jordy like bumping the ceiling with a broom. <laughs> no, there's just I love the there's... that image so much. Yeah. There's just a little grate in the floor, right? And the, they're actually the just time? looking at each other. <laughs> that's that's where that I was playing your rap music. That's where that elevator goes up to. It goes up to like the little hole in the floor on the bridge right. so that they can talk to each other. <laughs> well, at least Picard's not wearing his his little splaying outfit on the bridge because then Jordy be looking right up at in the grate. <laughs> Whoa! Uh, all right, what about your bad thing, Matt? Uh, the special effect of the Romulan ship exploding. Was, may have been one of the worst special effects I've ever seen really? in, in Next Gen. It looked like they basically took a... It looked they like they just set up a firework. Ex- no, it looked like they took like a like an explosion, uh, like stock footage, and just placed it over the Romulan ship. <laughs> like like on Aqua Teens, whenever they drop an object. Yes! <laughs> exactly! Explode. <laughs> things explode it was every day. really bad. I, I didn't notice it, but I'll, I'll take your word for it. It was maddening. Was it maddening? Maddening. All right. I think the thing my that really... My tongue keeps getting caught on the mask. What? My tongue keeps getting caught, caught on the mask. Oh. It's maddening. <laughs> I think the thing that really jumped out at me, and I mentioned this in the summary, but I, I can't mention this enough how much it bugged me, the foreshadowing, the obvious Tin Man heart <laughs> thing. Just uh-huh. Are we making yeah. terrible Wizard of Oz references in the 24th century? Really? Yeah, apparently someone at Starfleet uh, HQ is a big Wizard of Oz fan. Is a big drag queen? Yes. Because that's, I think, the only people who still watch the Wizard of Oz at this point, aren't they? All he well, needed was a heart. A heart and a chair. And by then, all the old people died A heart died and a off. chair and a TV. <laughs> and that's all he needs. And this ping pong paddle he needs that. <laughs> and, and this remote thermos. control. <laughs> of course it's thermos. Well, he's picking one out for you. Uh-huh. <clears throat> Um, so yeah, you're, you're definitely right though, that the Tin Man looked pretty good though, Matt. I, I don't know if it was CG or not, but it, it was, it was cool looking. I, I doubt yes, it. it was. Then. I don't know. They were getting into it at that point. We had the floating Klingon blood in Star Trek six a couple of years later. So it's possible yeah. they could do something simple like this. So I'm, I'm not sure, but it did look, it did look nice. 
I do like the. I also really like the image of it spinning around super fast. Yep. Yeah. Which, for no other reason than it was silly. What and, was, it, and what the was ins- its actual name? It had a name that they started Gumtu. Gumtu. Gumtu, yep. the beast who walks. <laughs> Gumtu, Barada Niktu. <laughs> no, and, and the inside of it looked cool, too. I was reading a memory alpha that they were disappointed with the interior, and I disagree. I thought it looked very weird. Yeah. The sound effects, the sound design was great. Like, they had some really creepy sort of, blah, 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 you know, noises that were that were fantastic. Yeah, no, it was fine to me. Yeah, no, they actually, uh, we were talking about this, they actually uh, recorded some dude eating pizza. Right, and just put, like, a microphone up to his stomach. That's, that's yeah. pretty cool. <laughs> no, and I, I love the effect, like, the, the chair that forms out of the floor. Yeah, apparently mm-hmm. they melted a wax chair and then ran that in reverse, so it was just, it looked like it was just sort of forming from the floor. Yeah, that's awesome. I wish I had a wax chair. Yeah. You want a wax egg chair, don't you? Yes. yes. Of course you do. Yes, I do want that. I also want that. I actually... I would also... And then I would take the back of the egg chair and carve it into a skull shape. There you go. A wax egg it skull would, chair. It would rock. I bet ThinkGeek is on that right now. You uh, put, do, ThinkGeek, call me. And you put the speakers, like, right in the inside of the egg? There you yes! go. Yes! And then you can launch it into space. It's got, like, thrusters on the bottom. Yeah! It's like an escape And also, egg. it wouldn't have a bottom, like, it would hang from the ceiling. Of course. Like a stalagmite might. Or stalactite. Tight. Tight. Yes. Uh, no, a stalagmite might, but it wouldn't, because it doesn't. That's what you remember, is that stalagmites might hang from the ceiling, but they don't. Yes. That's right. how you remember. And, <laughs> and Klingons might have forehead ridges, but maybe they Or they don't. might not, depending on the episode. <laughs> right. I have a note here. Uh, because Worf's people. Two-thirds of the way through the episode where he's got to get to Tin Man and they're, they're, it's too dangerous and they won't go. I, I wrote, chances this guy steals a shuttle 90%. And I was actually surprised <laughs> that that 10% came into play and he didn't. Because usually this is the point where this scheming, bitchy person, the guest star of the week, would run off and steal a shuttle. And Worf would be like, we have shuttles? I, I feel like Picard <laughs> figured that and just sent him over so that they wouldn't have to lose yet another shuttle. Yeah, that must be it. <laughs> And again, it hasn't become a cliche yet, but really soon now, like every week for all of, I don't know, season four or five or something, like they steal a shuttle every week and Worf's always surprised. There's a, there's a line in DS9 Maybe I should put a guy down love, there. Where they, talk, where they talk about how many runabouts they lose, and, and I think Kira goes, it's a good thing there's so many rivers on Earth for the amount of runabouts we lose. <laughs> That's true. Oh yeah, they were all rivers, weren't they? Yep, the Rio Grande. Yeah, Grand Amazon and Orinoco. So forth. And... Right. Yeah. Well, the Amazon one was actually owned by Jeff Bezos, but the rest of them, yes. <laughs> Enough of your um, Seattle humor. Uh, sorry, the, uh, the joke there. Um, what else? I feel like uh, I feel like Gumtu at some point should have said "No kill I." That felt like a, <laughs> uh, a wasted opportunity there. Um, I don't know. And he was he was in front of the supernova because he was trying to kill himself, which I thought was I, yeah, cool. I did like that. That's a neat. Uh, that's a neat idea. Although, and I don't know this, and and English Gav or anyone else who knows science better than I do, which is everyone in the world, mm. don't supernova take a while to happen? Can you just hang out and wait for it to blow up? I thought it happened over I mean, a long period. No, of no, that's, that's I mean, they happen completely by surprise. So there's no time to get everybody off of Romulus. Oh, very well. oh, right. Of course, I saw that ha- it happen. That I happened. Know that. We we saw it happen. We watched it happen. Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I should know that. Was it a supernova, uh, though? I thought that was something else. No, it was a supernova, okay. wasn't it? It might have been. I don't know. I'm yeah, sure. and the red matter made a black hole. I don't think anybody who made that movie knew what astronomical terms meant. Yeah, but it's Star Trek. Black... It doesn't matter. I like... Yeah, exactly. Yeah. exactly. No, that's not a criticism. It's just an observation. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, keep the basic physics intact, but when you're dealing with crazy, like, otherworldly MacGuffins, just fucking who cares? <laughs> I, I also had a note here that I bet there's a novel about uh, Gomtu and, and Tam Eberin, a really boring, tedious novel. <laughs> yep. Because they went off and had further adventures, presumably, but who cares? The Betazoid adventure is just beginning. Oh. I, assume, I assume Peter David does. Well, yes, obviously. He's probably part of the crew of the, I don't know. The hoodie, uh, Excelsior, yeah, right. isn't it? Yeah, the Excelsior. No, it's the Excalibur. No, the Excalibur. Excalibur, that's it. Yeah, Excelsior was a Sulu ship. Right. They're right, still right. using. They're still using Ex- Ex- uh, Excelsior class ships in the in the Picard era, though, because uh, the hood is one. I think that's the only other model they had. Yeah. We get the we get the Galaxy class and the Excelsior class, and that is it for a while. No, there was a Reliant already. Oh, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean really the whole fleet should have lots of different kinds of ships. Yeah. And we don't really start seeing different ones until much later. Well, when we get to DS9 it's a lot cheaper to uh show a lot of ships. That's right. true. A lot of different ships yeah. I should say. Oh man, thinking about that shot. You know the one. Yeah. I am so desperate to see DS9, yeah. but I can't. No. I'll probably watch that after I hang up with you guys. You, you son suck. of a bitch. Look, this time you brought it up, okay? <laughs> Oh, we bring it up a lot because we think of Star yeah. Trek as a whole and we think of Voyager and we think of the original series and, you know, then you think of DS9 and you're like, man, why aren't we watching that? I spend a lot of time while we're watching TNG uh, missing original series and wanting to get to DS9. Yeah, it's really it's really not fair to this series because it's it's really starting to get quite good, but yeah, we're just, we're constantly comparing it and we're constantly looking forward and it's just... Yeah. And then when you finally get up to it, you'll find out that uh, having a thing is not so pleasing as wanting it. It's often illogical, but I, also true. <laughs> I actually don't think that's true when it comes to DS9. <laughs> we'll also find that the needs of the Morn outweigh the... Yeah, I don't know how to finish that. Never mind. We'll also find out that the human adventure is just beginning. I wish the human adventure would shut the fuck up, is what I wish. I'm so sick of the human adventure. God, always with its loud music and its cooking. Yeah, everybody was pretty racist against the Romulans this week, by the way. Oh, they were racist against the Ferengi, and they, like Picard just kept saying, well, I don't trust any Ferengi. Like, wow, really? None? They're all the same, huh? Because you've met four, so yep. they're all like that. <laughs> Always crouching and snarling. The and their laser whips. I think they're so great with your laser whips. <laughs> the cheat's whipping something with the laser whip. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever happened to the laser whip? Well, they laser thought they were whip. stupid, that's what. <laughs> Although Brian's brother right. is the uh, is the primary uh, de- defender of laser whips, Flonk apparently <laughs> loves laser whips. I don't mind of laser whips; they were terrible props that looked really stupid. But I can see it being a neat idea. I well, kind of like. To... He thought it was good in uh, Iron Man Two, and what's his name had the laser whips. I well. liked those laser whips. I liked the laser whip that was in that um, uh, Jack Kirby Fourth World movie that they called Masters of the Universe. Ah, uh, yes. With Frank Langella as uh, Skeletor. Frank Langella yeah, still, cred- yeah. still credits that as like his favorite part he's ever played. <laughs> wow. Frank Langella. Wow. I thought it was just one of those. That was just one of those that he did for his kids. No, he goes on. He was being interviewed on the radio for Frost Nixon, and they asked him what's his mm-hmm. favorite role he's ever played. And he goes Skeletor. Didn't even have to think about it. Wow. And he's wow. just like, they made me look like a crazy skeleton wizard, and I got to be over the top and say things like, <laughs> "Now I will conquer all of Eternia." Yeah, but then he played and he's Nixon. Like, and then he's like, no, that, that's like, that's his center. Playing Nixon was I, I know, work. but I, I was, Playing Skeletor I was, was for, fun. That's what I'm saying, guys. I was going <laughs> for a subtle political joke there. Oh, I see. See, he got to be kind of evil as Skeletor, and then he got to play Nixon. <laughs> Nixon also. Mac- what, are you, what are you, Matt Groening? Yeah, exactly. Nixon Matt also, oddly enough, wanted to conquer all of Eternia. 
<laughs> I want to go to a planet where they don't have wheels. <laughs> All right. I think I think we're going off uh, off the rails here a bit. But, As uh, we do. Any 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 further business about this episode, or shall um, we play my quote? The Rom- there's the Romulan with lazy eye. <laughs> yeah, he's looking, oh, yeah, he's looking at the camera, which is about uh, two inches above where <laughs> the view screen is. So yeah, he's, yeah, he's like a little to the left. The he's like, yeah, he's like, he's like, he's got like a webcam set up, but he's looking at the webcam instead, or at the screen instead. Yeah, the, of the webcam's webcam. on top of the computer. So. No, the, the thing is, he's looking at him at uh, the picture of himself that that shows up in the upper in right. the upper corner. <laughs> Damn this Skype! <laughs> yes, exactly. All right. Any anything else? Uh, no, I think that's it. Do we have any more uh, uh, acronyms for uh, or anagrams rather? Uh, not came, not handy. I, I came up with um, um, so. a, a brunt elm, which could be like a Frankie reference. <laughs> uh, Liquidator, a brunt elm. <laughs> uh, ant rumble and nice. um, unbelt. I gotta save Ant Rumble. I gotta get her medication. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, ant like is in the insect. Oh, because otherwise I wouldn't have the U to put in rumble. So that's I... the that's the Beast Wars version of Rumble, yeah. the Transformer. There is, if you want, if yes. you want a relative, I can do Ma something. Let me see, Ma. Um, Ma Fratelli, Ma Owen, Blunt, Ma, Ma, oh, a, Ma Blunter. There you go. Ooh, All right. Well, my quote, Butler Man, Butler Man, Butler Man. You know, That's I had an cool. uncle who used to work as a Ma Blunter. <laughs> I used to be a Butler Man. <laughs> and then we stopped doing that sketch. All right. My quote <laughs> is the triumphant return of Captain Picard's long, uh, long celebrated catchphrase, which is this. Standard report number one. We've reached the outer regions of the Beta Stromgren system on course for orbital intercept with the 10 man ETA 18 minutes. Grand. I was so happy to hear him say that again. Ah, it delightful. It's never going away now. Like, we were starting to phase it out because, oh, he hasn't said that in years. He, that oh, the first fuck. Thing. No, I'm, I'm building to that. All right. We also, re- I didn't realize I wasn't listening, I guess, and Brian pointed out that uh, the Tam, or was it, was it Brian or was it Matt? I don't remember. One of you guys pointed Matt. out, oh, well, you then. <laughs> pointed out that that uh, that that Aunt Rumble called um, called Riker <laughs> Billy Boy, <laughs> which I'll actually play the quote here. I usually hate pulling double quotes, but uh, what the hell? Because this will be our precedent now. I was waiting for a new nickname to emerge for this season because it's been Bill and then it's been Nails, and we need a new one. And so now season yeah, we, three it, is it's provided. been Nails since uh, yeah since early it? season two. Yeah, and so now we finally have a new one. We, we got Billy Boy. I should have brought up the Romulans earlier, but I was distracted. And no, Billy boy, I wasn't distracted on Garushta. <laughs> so, that's that's that. That's wonderful. Billy boy nails Bill. <laughs> William Billiam Riker. Thomas Riker. Thelonious. <laughs> it's only Thelonious because Peter David didn't know what the T stood for. Yes. Was it Peter David? I actually thought it was somebody else. It sounds yes. like the kind of thing Peter David it might would have do. Been... I thought it was like Judith well, those... and Garfield Reeves Stevens or something. Those authors I just always often... assume it's Peter David because he writes all of them. Well, those, those authors often shared notes and tried to stay, you know, tried to keep continuity between the books. So I don't know who made it mm-hmm. up, but it was definitely in a Peter David book. Yeah. Um, it's uh, it's short for, uh, it's, or it's, it's for Thelonious Monk, I, I actually right. just realized recently. Yeah. Because he no, likes I, the jazz. I, yeah, exactly. And that's uh... who's been drinking bootleg hooch and listening to the jazz. <laughs> it's the nails. It's, it's the Billy nails. Boy. Rodeo, Billy, Billy Boy. Boy. All right, and with that, we're going to leave now.
and be back next week with further shenanigans and business and see what Billy Boy's up to. I'll see you again when they get up to some wacky shenanigans and uh, have some comedy and Vosh comes back and they go to a crazy time period. All of Al's favorite things. You're the you're the you're the Vosh fanboy. So. <laughs> Apparently, no. I like Q. I like Vosh. I just uh, the time period one, not so not so much. I like you. I like Vosh. Yes. All right, Matt. Say your thing. Uh, see you, folks. The Post-Atomic Horror Podcast is a co-production of Ron Algar Watt and Matt Robotham, copyright 2012. Please don't sue us. We're just doing this for fun.